welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, ladies, this podcast and the information being provided to you is for educational and informational purposes only, and it should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to treat or cure any specific illness, and it is not to replace the guidance provided by your own medical practitioner. This information is to be used at your own risk based on your own judgment. And if you suspect you have a medical problem, we urge you to take appropriate action by seeking medical attention. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Sophie Shepard here from She Talks Health. Really excited for this podcast today. We're going to go deep into genetics and how it impacts our estrogen dominance, histamine, and mental health. And today to talk to us and be a total expert nerd (laughs) with us is Dr. Haley Arnold, who is a chiropractor and functional medicine practitioner. She is best described as an entrepreneur, and she's constantly finding solutions to problems. Dr. Arnold spends her days formulating nutritional products and genetic tests for children of all ages. She's an active clinician, educator, public speaker, and published author with a passion for neurosensory differences and autoimmunity. Dr. Arnold has created multiple businesses that allow children to get healthy naturally. She believes long-term health truly starts in childhood, and she seeks to educate and empower children and their parents in ways that help them make the best decisions about wellness. Welcome to the She Talks Health podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited. So a little backstory. I found DNARX on a, I think it was a Rupa Health like practitioner video thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, genetics, how cool is this? And then I find out later that Dr. Haley is a friend of uh, Becca Kyle, who you guys probably know. She was on my team for the last year. <laughs> so I was like, this is just a way too small of a world. <laughs> and since then, we started using DNARX for some of our clients and their kids to learn more about uh, their mental health around just all the ways that genetics impact us. And there's a lot of ways <laughs> genetics uh-huh. impact us. So I would love to maybe to open the floor first to talk about why and how you created DNARX, because it, there's a lot of DNA companies out there. So sure. Yeah. How did you, how do you think about DNA and, and genetics and why did you start this particular company? So it's fun because I've actually created and sold DNA companies. So I'm behind some of the popular ones out there. But um it you know, DNA for us as practitioners, especially in the functional medicine world, we were very much on the test don't guess 
bandwagon, obviously, where we should be. And year after year, I've been in practice for 12 years now, but year after year, I would consistently get stumped with, even after doing all of the the popular tests, stool testing, hormone testing, nutrition testing, whatever it is, there would still be those clients that I'm like, hmm, something's just not working that it doesn't follow a nice little cookie cutter recipe for me. And I started really getting involved with nutrigenomics or nutrition-based genetics. And originally I started using the big named companies that are widely available to everyone. And I'd use their raw data and I'd, I'd think about it in what little I knew about MTHFR or some of the vitamin oriented genes. And I would find some consistent information that said, maybe genetics is this missing component. Maybe this is why I'm not getting the results I expected with certain people. Maybe this is that thing that would allow me to push through that plateau that many patients feel with nutrition-based care. And it was a very serendipitous moment. I basically met our geneticist via Instagram, as you do. <laughs> um, and he local here, we're in Houston. He's a PhD geneticist. Out of, he was out of Rice University. He's not with them anymore. But um, he had his own lab. And I'm like, ooh, can we make a genetic panel for our clinic specifically? And he was like, sure, why not? And so we did. And he happened to, you know, he's the expert in all things genetics. That's what he does. And so I told him about our patient base, which was often neurosensory kids with their autoimmune parents, always who we took care of. And he was That's like, well, really interesting that there's the connection between the autoimmune parents and the neurosensitive. So, yes. And by That's a whole and, other podcast. Topic yeah. I'm like, can we come back and do that one? <laughs> Absolutely. I love talking um, about and by that, you're you're commenting on ADD, ADHD, like pandas, like the autism, outlet. pandas, ADD, all that kind of stuff. I haven't done the statistics exactly, but I would eighty percent or more have Hashimoto's on the parental side. So okay, great. So I just won't have any kids. <laughs> no, not not the not necessary. Like things we can do anyway. That's a whole other can of worms but it's a huge topic and i i love talking about that wow that's incredibly okay well yeah maybe we'll have have you back for that because i'm sure (laughs) a lot of people who have autoimmune and hashimoto's and stuff like that on the uh who listen to this podcast yeah yeah and um with that basically i told him our our clientele and he said okay we need to do these genes this gene this gene this gene and we created a panel and that panel has evolved into a variety of panels and it's just been awesome so fast forward five years, I created a lab, I sold a lab, created another one. My wife and I created DNARX. And initially we set out to create supplements that were appropriate for genetic variations, but I can't, I couldn't get out of the genetic world. So we created new panels um, and still, still with my same, my same lab, uh, my same geneticist, we decided we would make kind of our top 40 genes So our wellness panel that you're used to using are the ones that we find clinically are more relevant than any other gene out there. And it literally took our practice from, you know, getting 75% of our patients well to getting 98% of them well. And it was, were those little things that most people without knowing genetics would never think of. Like, for example, 60% of your clients shouldn't be eating fermented foods if they have anxiety. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Most of us think fermented foods are the best things for our gut. <sighs> or, you know, 
half your patients are going to have histamine issues and you're going to go through low histamine diets or give them probiotics for certain things. And like, we can get so specific on what they need if we understand what their genetics are doing. So Mm -hmm. that's the, that's a very short version of I'm a big nerd. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That was one of the biggest hesitations I had with DNA testing or genetic testing was like, well, how is this applicable in, you know, a clinical setting? Like, what do I do with this information? And what I found to be really fascinating about when people do want to run their genetics, which I love when they do. And then when we do see it related to their symptoms or to other labs that we're seeing, mm-hmm. it's really fascinating. Like then it's I'm yeah. just like, Oh my gosh, this is the genes are playing out right here. <laughs> yeah. And I've kind of got it to where it's like, now, if I see their other labs, I know exactly what genes they probably have. Oh, or wow. if I see, if I see genes first, I'm like, okay, I, I should start here. And our whole thing was we wanted to get patient care as specific as possible, right? It's fun. It's also definitely overwhelming. Yeah, it can. It can feel overwhelming because there's kind of, well, there's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot there. Where do do you start? Um, Maybe let's talk about the wellness panel and what's included in it and why you put it together the way you did. I know there's quite a lot in there, so that's probably its own podcast, but maybe just some highlights of like the most favorite markers in there that you love. (laughs) So like I said, we kind of, we made it our top, we, I like to call it my top 40 because I'm a musician and that makes me happy. So one of the things I want to emphasize, you know, like you said, there are a million different genetic companies out there and every single one of them, including mine, have their own bent to it, their own bias. And what we really tried to do was create a panel that empowered practitioners to think a little bit outside of the box that a lot of us fit in. So for example, if you start with genetics, we have given you recommendations. If you've got a high probability of a vitamin D deficiency, well, we are going to tell you to test vitamin D. If you have a high probability for anxiety or depression or ADHD, and those are the symptoms your patient's coming in with, we're going to tell you which tests you should consider that go well with genetics. So we really wanted to set it up in a way that it gave practitioners the the blueprint, if you will, of what their patient may be struggling with. Mm. And then when you pair that with a health history and the symptoms they're presenting with and whatever other tests you do in your, in your practice, then you really get a full picture of what the root cause is going to be for that person. Right. Um, And so with that, we, we really had to go through the literature that And we didn't put anything on our panel that doesn't have a lot of research behind it. Well, that's great as well. Because, I mean, I'm sure there's something out there that's like, maybe there's one article, but if there's not multiple, then how can we really go off of that? Exactly. Because we've got, you know, there's there's 10 different genes I could think of that deal with diet, but seven of those don't have more than one to two research articles behind it. Mm, So everything we did was kind of put through the ringer in terms of literary review. Um, so I want to make that kind of clear too, is we can test hundreds of thousands of genes, but is it really going to make a difference in our clinical experience or our patient's experience? And again, overwhelm, right? Yeah, absolutely. Overwhelm. So, yeah. yeah so I know I've run it a few times with people and I've seen that you guys have like the micronutrient status things mm-hmm. on those. So those have been fascinating, like vitamin D or vitamin C or vitamin A or like all these different nutrients that you have a higher susceptibility of being deficient in. Yeah. 
we wanted to make it kind of an overall wellness panel. Uh, so your, your micronutrient genes that play a huge role in, you know, are you going to be able to eat enough carrots and get vitamin A? Well, maybe not if you have certain types of genetic variations, or are you going to be able to sit in the sunshine enough and get enough vitamin D? Maybe not. Um, so you really get to see where your strengths and weaknesses might be in terms of nutrients. We also put how you metabolize your carbs and fats because everyone wants to know what diet they should be on. Everyone wants to know the right diet for them. Yep. <laughs> We're not all supposed to be keto or paleo or vegan or fill in the blank with whatever diet you want to talk about. So we can really say, okay, no, you do really well with complex carbohydrates. You need more fiber or, you know, especially if you've got estrogen dominance, guess what? Fiber might be the thing that helps you get that down. We, we put that on there. Some people are convinced keto is the best thing ever. And I'm sitting here thinking 20% of the population can tolerate high fat. So it's not a lot. <laughs> well, when you think so about that, I think when you think about all the nutrition confusion that I think you're where your test really excels is in that kind of confirmation of at least genetically, this is yeah. where, you know, we should be pointed. And um, because yeah, that's like, it kind of almost to me in my mind, it proves, well, why, could someone be, I don't know, vegetarian or pescatarian, and then someone else could be keto or that someone else could be paleo and they could all say, this is the best thing ever. And it cured me, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I, it comes down to genetics. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And so, and then I know, you know, for, you mentioned anxiety and fermented foods. Um, so I'd love to kind of talk around that because I think the main groups of people that listen to this podcast are probably dealing with um, some mental health imbalances like anxiety issues, but also um, histamine and a lot of estrogen dominance. So maybe we can think about your wellness panel and then pair those to like, what what are those genes that you see pop up for those like specific things that people are dealing with? So another big portion of our panel is neurotransmitters. And that's, that's really what we're dealing with when we say estrogen dominance anxiety, histamine issues, um, migraines, even you mentioned you had a migraine podcast earlier. All of those things deal with neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters, of course, are our brain chemistry, right? Um, what most people don't realize is most of our neurotransmitters are actually made in our gut. So if we don't have a healthy gut, we can't have a healthy brain or mental outlook, but there are genes. Say it louder in the back, (laughs) people in the back. Um, we don't have a healthy butt, uh, but so excuse me, (laughs) (laughs) that works too. Um, we don't have a healthy gut. We don't have a healthy brain and the genes that drive that specifically deal with how well your body metabolizes or reuptakes neurotransmitters. So of course we're thinking serotonin is your happy hormone. Dopamine is what I like to call your get stuff done hormone, your productivity hormone histamine. I don't know what the positive side there is, but when we have too much of it, we either have allergies um, or we have migraines or we have anxiety. We have all sorts of bad things with histamine, but you have genes that control how much those neurotransmitters are broken down and used properly. Mm-hmm. And the three genes that stick out most for that, for me, are going to be MAO, COMT or COMT, depending on how I say it and HNMT, which is histamine methyltransferase. And all three of those specifically say you're either going to be prone to degrading or metabolizing this neurotransmitter very quickly, or you're going to be really slow at it. Or you might be this nice, you know, balance of it. 
And depending on what side of the spectrum you land on for that metabolism, that depends on your symptoms. So if you're a really, it's called a low metabolizer, a very slow metabolizer of serotonin, and you decide to eat a bunch of fermented veggies like kimchi or sauerkraut, that is going to add more serotonin to your gut. And all of a sudden you're going to get high serotonin symptoms like anxiety and insomnia and rage and ADHD and those kind of things. So if we remove ferments or high tyramine foods is really what it's called, but for lack of, you know, for simplicity's sake, we'll say fermented foods. When we remove ferments, all of a sudden the body can level out its serotonin levels a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then of course, if we have nutrients that we need to do like magnesium or B vitamins or whatever to support that, it helps as well. Mm -hmm. So when anytime I hear someone say, oh, I have anxiety, I can usually put the pieces together. Of, do you also have insomnia? Do you sweat a lot? Do you have stinky feet? Do you get migraines? Like all these kind of things tell me, okay, your MAO may be the, the low version, which doesn't need as much serotonin going in. That yeah, makes sense? yeah, that's fascinating. I feel like the whole fermented food thing is just like a can of worms because people are like, what do I eat for my gut health? And then you like, if you say sauerkraut or something like that doesn't work for, I would say like a large majority of 60% of people. Yeah. Like I would definitely say, and I would say, I actually don't know what my MAO is, but I feel like for a long time, like I couldn't do it because of other, I couldn't do it because of SIBO or whatever, you know, there's so many, there's so many, it's like not a one size fit all. And there's all these influencers like, get your like kimchi. And I'm like, well, I don't know, actually, because most of my clients are not sleeping and have anxiety. So maybe yeah. not the fermented foods. Too, because if the gut is wonky for other reasons, you have an infection, you've got a uh, micronutrient deficiency, you've got something going on. When you add the genetic component on top of that, it's even worse. So yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. So that's so interesting. So you can kind of compare those symptoms to the genetic test and then be like, okay, well, we can make this very specific recommendation yeah. of not including fermented foods and then maybe adding things like mag or B vitamins to help. Like, doesn't sound like not sedate, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> with the range. Um, it, it's called down, down or up regulate, depending on what you're trying to do. So make it work faster or make it work slower, depending on what side you fit on. Okay. And well, that CMT like a- works the same way. So. Yeah, let's talk about CM- COMT because that one is like all over the Dutch hormone test that every client wants me to run and all these yes. things. And I don't normally start with hormone testing. I usually work on gut health and stress and minerals first. <laughs> and then I don't really I need approve to approve of this message. <laughs> I approve of this message. <laughs> Maybe the COMT will give us some insight into why this is so important. Yeah, so COMT is interesting. So most people, if they've got a high COMT, not too bad they're more of your like they're they burn through dopamine really quickly so if they don't have that next hit of something they can get really lethargic or sad or depressed but those that don't break down dopamine especially in women they're going to be the ones who have estrogen dominance they're going to be sensitive to estrogen really they're going to be highly sensitive to estrogen they're going to be highly sensitive to heavy metals so that's where you see like mercury being a problem for some people and it works the same exact way when i say neurotransmitters in reality all of these genes work on every neurotransmitter but some of them have their favorites right so comt works more on dopamine 
So if you have a low dopamine, you tend to have too much and you're that worrier. You are worrying about tomorrow, even though you can't do anything about it kind of situation. If you have too little dopamine, you tend to be a warrior sometimes, but that doesn't always translate well either. But you tend to be more of a depressive personality if you don't have enough dopamine. So the one thing I find from a food perspective that helps this is protein tends to regulate COMT. So those with the low COMT version, I say, don't you know eat more carbs at night. Don't eat it so much protein. So if you're going to do a steak dinner, do it for breakfast instead. You were saying that's for someone who might have a low COMT that yeah. they would want more carbohydrates and not protein. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we tend to have to play on blood sugar levels Mm -hmm. and everything else for that one tends to go with dopamine metabolism. So CMT is a kind of a difficult one. And the reason it's so hormone driven on like the Dutch test or something else is because it's very much a player in estrogen metabolism Mm -hmm. and it does use a lot of B vitamins. So if you, you know, on the Dutch test, if you see your CMT levels going this way, and then you see your methylation, little fan going this way. If you don't have the B vitamins, you're not going to be converting your dopamine. And so they, they play nicely together. But is it necessary to know your COMT when doing hormones? Absolutely not. I don't think so. I, yeah, um, I feel like a lot of people are deficient in B vitamins too. Like, you know, I see that quite often. Yeah. And that probably impacts many things besides just the, the estrogen. I never use COMT individually. Let me say that. So Hmm. I think, I think it's a nice gene to know, but I don't think it's the end all be all that we've made it in functional medicine. Yeah. Um, I actually like MAO more. I think MAO makes more of a difference, but it's that estrogen sensitivity and heavy metal sensitivity with COMT that's important. Now on the flip side, COMT is important if you have someone who's super sensitive to B vitamins. So if they can't tolerate methylfolate or methylcobalamin for, for B9 and for B12, then COMT status can tell us why. Oh, but you don't, you can also just play with their supplements. If you need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like the go-to, like your favorite yeah. go-to thing. It, for so many people in the, in the nutrigenomic world, they'll say automatically, if you have low COMT, we're not going to do methylated vitamins at all. And I'm like, well, should all be able to tolerate some. And if we can't, there's probably more than just the genetic component. There's probably something else in the background. They probably don't have enough minerals. Mm. Maybe we should start there. (laughs) So Mm. I think that's the big reason people use it more than other genes. Mm. But for my two cents, whatever it's worth, it's It's worth a lot. (laughs) It's definitely something I want to know, but it's not my absolute, I must know this answer. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, that's actually really helpful because I feel like people probably get really overwhelmed with where do I, which genes should I be looking for? Because you said there's so many different companies out there. Yeah. Um, and like, where do you start? What do you do? Yeah. Um, where do you well, go? That's why we made DNARX. So we just, we start here. Start here. <laughs> Are there any other like favorite genes that you love in your wellness panel that kind of you see hit that kind of population of either brain, histamine, oh, gut, histamine, thyroid? Right? Yeah. H&MT is a big one because that's the histamine degradation gene. So if you're having migraines or anxiety or heart palpitations or menstrual concerns, a lot of times if that gene has a variation, it means you can't break down histamine. Mm -hmm. And then we can use things like quercetin and nettles and low histamine diets if we really need to. Um, So I do think that's an important one, but 
I would honestly say a lot of the food sensitivity genes that coincide with autoimmune genes mm. are important as well. So if you've got a lot of Hashi's patients, are they gluten-free? Yeah. They need they to be are, They're working with me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even, like, I just am uh, like not at the, it's so funny. Cause like, there's a lot of foods I'll be kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Like, I'm not going to say everyone has to be on this diet because I know better by now that everyone has to be on different diets, but like gluten, like just never works for people in my, my client population because I yeah. deal with so many people with Hashimoto's. Yeah. Well, and so there's this one gene called MYO9B that mm-hmm. is an autoimmune marker. And basically what it says is if you've got this genetic variation, eating gluten is going to turn on autoimmunity. Mm-hmm. So we see it a lot in our Hashi's patients, our RA patients, lupus, you know, you name it, it's connected. And so it's one of those genes where if you really wanted me to get super specific, I would say the the wild type or the the naturally found version of the genetic parent pairing along with the two variants, everyone, everyone on the planet should be gluten-free if you really wanted to look at that gene for some reason. Whoa. Um, but you know, we're social beings and we have cultural reasons not to be gluten-free as well. So I, yes, I can be as, uh, I can help people <laughs> figure out like, is this really the most important one for me or not? And so obviously yeah. if it's autoimmune, I'm like, yep, gluten-free, here we go. Yeah. Um, but I can prove it to them on paper that way. So. Which is really helpful because like you said, there's so many cultural reasons we eat different foods or just like connection, family, friends, so when yeah. we can see, oh, hey, this is like actually really ag- uh, aggravating or turning on my lupus or something like that, then it can become something that is like you can really work that in potentially yeah. um, versus like, oh, yeah, it's like trendy to be gluten free, <laughs> you know, like not so helpful. <laughs> well, it's really fun. Like I had a, a new patient today be like, yeah, you know, everyone in my family has thyroid issues. And I'm like, everyone in your family has thyroid issues. So everyone in your family has autoimmunity. Like, it's not just that you all have hyperthyroidism. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so, and then when we do genes, it's like, yeah, see, this is why everyone in your family has autoimmunity. It's because you all eat the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That is really, and what an eye opener for her and potentially for her whole family, like the ripple yeah. effects. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, I do like those because people want to know what they can and can't eat and it's, there's so much information overload, as you've said, that it's really hard to say, well, like this doctor says I should be gluten and dairy free, but this doctor says it doesn't matter. And this person says I should be keto. And this person says I should be vegan. It's like, well, let's look at your genes and see what your blueprint tells you you should be. Yeah, it, like- it makes it so much easier to heal that way. Mm-hmm. Before I knew you, I had done a genetics panel. And one of the things that was so helpful for me in that was like, all the detox markers and inflammation markers were really bad for me. (laughs) And so it kind of helped me also hear or see why it was that I even did develop Hashimoto's and IBS and have issues with acne and ovarian cysts, just because of like understanding like that if I'm not really careful for myself in those ways, I I turn those genes right back on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and that's what's so great about genetic testing is because it's literally your blueprint. So you can see how your daily habits or your environments are going to affect you. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's an absolute. I mean, it's absolutely your genes, but 
you can help yourself by honoring your genes. It just helps you understand how your body is going to work. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's a really good point. And we didn't really talk about this at the beginning. Hopefully people are picking this up that your genes are not your destiny, right? Like you can do things to modulate them, right? This is like the study of epigenetics that we have, which is showing us what 90% uh has we have control over or something like it's like a huge percentage that we can usually modulate um how our genes are expressed yeah absolutely so it's i've always said it's your blueprint and if you know that if you eat gluten you have the chance of having an autoimmune disease you might not have an autoimmune disease which is great now today but if your mom had one your grandmother had one your sister has one and you have these genes guess what there's a very high probability of you having one too. So why not just go gluten-free? Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's not an easy switch, but it's a switch you can take. Or if you know that you have been anxious and have poor sleep habits since you were five years old, why not look at certain nutrient levels that could help your neurotransmitters? To me, it's kind of a no brainer once we really understand and can get through the overwhelm and through the, like this test says this thing, this test says another Like if we can just cut through to the practical and clinically useful genetic information, we can help ourselves and our patients heal and succeed Mm -hmm. without so much trial and error. Yeah. And I know you are a big component of, I think you pair this with some nutrient testing to see like, so say someone might have like a propensity for vitamin A deficiency and then B6 deficiency and vitamin C deficiency, you you pair that with a nutrition test, right? To see like yeah. if that's activated currently. Yes. Yeah. Because it's not like just because you have a certain genetic variation doesn't mean you have to take, you know, therapeutic dosing of nutritional supplements. You do need to pair it with whatever functional labs that tell you your here and now levels to come up with a proper supplement plan. So like I, you know, in the beginning I said, we started as a supplement company. We made wellness level supplements in the right form for genetics. But when we see someone's genes, plus we see their micronutrient tests or their organic acid test or whatever it might be, then we can use those supplements, but on therapeutic dosing, but never, never should you supplement just because you have a genetic variation. You need to know what your body's doing here and now. So. Yeah. And so you mentioned oat testing, organic acid testing, and then there's an, another one, right? A micronutrient test that you, yeah. that you like. Yeah. Um, I've never actually used the micronutrient test. How do you like that? Uh, is it a really uh, valid test? Do you depends feel? Depends on which company you're using. They're all a little different. Um, if anything, I'll just send them to lab core and get the red blood cell values of folate or magnesium or something like that. Mm-hmm. But when we do full on micronutrient panels, I love it. Now, you, depending on the lab, you can use organic acids by themselves. And since we see kids a lot, we almost exclusively use organic acids. Yeah. Because um, I'm not sending them to get their blood drawn for anything, if I can help yeah, it. Yeah, little kids do not want to yeah. be fixed. No, no, I don't want to traumatize them. So a lot of times the organic acids can tell us the base level of like at least B vitamin, you know, your water-soluble vitamins. They can't really tell us vitamin D or things like that. Yeah. Blood for. Um, so I love it. For me... Again, it's it's putting the big picture together. You know, are, are they coming in with a hormone complaint? Are they coming in with a gut complaint? We have to figure out which tests are going to jive with their issue, which ones are going to give us the biggest bang for our buck, so to speak. Yeah. But 
Um, I almost always exclusively do organic acid and genetics right out of the gate. So. Very cool. I love I love hearing how different practitioners work the problem because, <laughs> like you said, there's a lot of different tests out there and sure. there's a lot of different ways to go about it. And mm-hmm. if someone wanted to order a wellness panel through you guys, do you offer any sort of practitioner? Like, will you meet with them or do you have someone on your team that meets with them or do they have to go through someone like myself? Or We do. So we prefer that they go through someone like you. Okay. Um, so at Dean Erics, uh, currently we're a practitioner driven company. So we sell through our practitioners. So, you know, anytime someone comes to our site, we're like, no, you need to find someone who can do that for you. And here's where are you? you know, we try to locate people. Yeah. in their areas and if no one's in the area we of course will help them directly as well but we we have our our other brand that's open to the public called Nutritox, which is the same panel but it's geared towards kids and pregnancy i um, love that name Nutritox. oh that's mm-hmm. my, favorite, my favorite company brand that's all my uh the other dr arnold she's brilliant in terms of branding but so we do have that open to the public but we generally, you know, if, if someone has Hashimoto's or someone has estrogen issues or histamine concerns, they need to be working with a practitioner. Yeah. I'm not a huge DIY component, you know, fan when it comes to, to health. So there, you need to have that extra support system. I would have to agree. I know I'm biased, but I think, um, you know, I also think I, oh man, I DIY'd it for seven years. <laughs> you know, by the time I found a practitioner, I had an autoimmune disease. So I, I think that, and then once I met him, everything kind of reversed itself in 90 days, you know? So it was just a real eye opener of, of how important it was to get the support from the right person. And also from a pay, I'm a, I'm an autoimmune hot mess myself. So from a patient perspective, you don't know what you don't know. And then you're constantly looking at different things from your own lens when practitioners have a way of cutting through the BS, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so when you find that practitioner you jive with, then you can really get down to the the nitty gritty details that are going to help you heal quickly and efficiently. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think even myself, even though I am a doctor, I did not have that capability of doing it for myself. I have to have someone else. Oh yeah. I mean, even when I just do repeat labs on myself now, I always just pull in my, my friends and my mentors to look over it with me and be like, am I doing, did I miss anything? Like it's me, you know, it's my own self. I feel like you definitely need that, um, that kind of objective, you know, third party or yeah, bird's eye view. So I appreciate that. That's, um, that's really cool. Well, it's good to know for those who are listening about what did you call it? Nutritots? Nutritots. Nutritots. For for the average person listening um, who's look, looking for supporting their kids or pregnancy, it sounds like. Yeah. And then if you're looking for more adult <laughs> estrogen, histamine, brain, micronutrient stuff, then going through a practitioner. Yeah. Amazing. Well, is there any other things you wanted to share? Any words of wisdom or any geeky moments that <laughs> you feel like sharing with this audience? Uh, I have a million geeky moments. We can talk about this for hours. For your clientele, for the people who are normally listening to you, I think that it's really important to know that genetics are an extremely powerful tool. And I will say this, some people take it too far. There's a lot of bad information on the internet. I never encourage people to go Google uh, genetics and and genes, specifically like individual ones. Genetics do not work in a vacuum either. They are not the sole issue or the sole problem for all of your ailments. They really aren't. Because as we said, 
our environment is making up the decisions for our body, right? It's what are you eating? What are you thinking? How are you sleeping? How are you moving? Where do you live? Are you being bombarded by toxins? Like that is absolutely more important than I'm totally understanding your genes. But when we pair your genes with that, then it becomes a powerful tool. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like to see people get so upset that, Oh, I have MTHFR. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> um, <laughs> I see that in Facebook groups and all over the place. It's like, your, your genes should not be isolated, nor should they be used in a vacuum. Oh, I really, I'm glad you said that because even, you know, every test has its pluses and minuses. And a lot of what I see in like this functional world is people completely dysregulating their nervous systems because they're like, oh, I have a parasite. I have MTHFR. I'll never be well. And yeah. it can kind of perpetuate a belief system that we can't uh, own uh, our own yeah. health. So yeah. that's uh, that's hugely important and, and making it part of the bigger picture and making sure you're working with somebody who can help you with that. Very cool. It's been so great to connect with you and have you on the podcast and nerd yeah. out with you. <laughs> I'm happy to do it anytime. <laughs> and, and where can people find you? Is it just DNARX.com or Instagram or uh, where can you go? Yeah, DNARX.com. And I think, we're, you know, we're all over social media. So um, I can't think of my handles off the top of my head. It's like shop DNARX or something like that. Oh, yeah. Shop underscore DNARX is our Instagram. So, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, DNARX.com. And again, through that, we work through practitioners. So we're always happy to help people find the right practitioner. Hopefully it's you or me. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. And it's been great too. Like if I ever have a question, I know you guys are always available to help me uh, figure it out since you're far into the genetics nerd moments. And then sometimes us practitioners need a second opinion. So that's another good uh, value of working with you guys. And then we do try, I haven't updated it in in a minute, but we do try to put blogs that are easy for consumers to understand out. So like I said, there's a lot of bad information on the internet. So we try to make it to where you can understand genetics in a very simple layperson terms, but it's not going to terrify you when mm-hmm. you see the genetic report at the same time. Well, that's really helpful too. Yay. Yeah. So get go get good information on their website, everybody. <laughs> Well, awesome. It's been amazing to chat with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and we'll see you in a couple of weeks for the next podcast. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.